Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your host, Liam Edwards, and as always, thank you for joining me for this week's Accursed Guest for the 74th episode of the show. And to once again send the aforementioned Accursed to a deserted place with only eight games to play for the rest of their days. Joining me this week is an action role-playing legend who started out his path into the foray of the video games industry by studying computer science at California State University. From there, he built himself up through various roles to finally founding a studio called Condor in the fine year of 1993. At Condor, my guest and his team whittled away working on a pretty cool action RPG project I think most of you might know, called Diablo. Just before Diablo shipped in 1996, Condor was purchased by PC giant Blizzard Entertainment and renamed Blizzard North, a kinda new but completely autonomous subsidiary of Blizzard Entertainment, headed up by my guest as the president. After the huge success of Diablo, the studio began work on the sequel to the action hit RPG, and in 2000, Blizzard North, under the guiding design and work of my guest, released an action RPG that would change the face of PC gaming, the incredible Diablo 2 which went on to receive rave reviews and lead to a perhaps even more popular expansion pack, Diablo 2 Lords of Destruction, an expansion that updated the base game with new characters, new weapons, and revamped gameplay. In 2003 though, my guest left Blizzard North and his role as president to pursue a new venture at the newly formed flagship studios, with some of his fellow Blizzard North comrades. There they created a title featuring a post-apocalyptic London, which did scare me at the time, as a Brit, called Hellgate London. From there, my guest went on to work in a variety of roles, working in tandem at various different companies, one which includes even being the CEO of Gazillion Entertainment and creating the wonderful Marvel Heroes, adding even more weight to his incredible and storied career. But in 2016, my guest once again formed his own studio to allow himself to work on the kind of games he'd like to make. Greybeard Studios, named after, I'm sure, my guest's fantastic facial hair, is an independent studio based out of San Francisco and is where my guest is currently developing his brand new title, It Lurks Below. I'm very honoured and happy to say that joining me this week to put a halt to his life and get ready to be banished is famed PC game designer and sporter of incredible facial hair, the delightful Mr. David Brevik. Hello, David. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Hello, thank you. It's great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, and that was quite the intro. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very glad you enjoyed it. Hopefully, everything is in order and correct as yeah. usual. I always yeah, that it. sounded great. I mean, I'm not going to brag about my facial hair, but it seems fairly accurate. Oh, well, unfortunately, podcasts usually are just an audio experience, but luckily, I have you on video today, and I must admit, I am rather jealous. I'm rather jealous. I am one of the... Uh, unfortunate men who cannot grow facial hair to save their life I am yeah yeah well that was honestly when I was in high school I it was similar kind of thing I couldn't grow any facial hair not until I was like in my early 20s did I start growing facial hair could I actually grow it so oh but David I'm 27 I'm 27 <laughs> I, 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 I think that the time may be passed for you, but the- <laughs> I, I, think, I think so too. Or unless one day I'm just going to wake up with a giant beard, which would be great. I mean, I'm a sporter of white whiskers like you, but they're kind of of a different variety. Mine are just blonde things you can't see in the sun. But yes, yeah. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an incredible pleasure to have you on the show. And um, we finally we finally got round to it. We finally got you here. And uh, unfortunately, it does mean we're going to desert you. But before we get to all of the <laughs> desertion and the eight games, let's talk a little bit about you. And I mean, where to start with your uh, <laughs> career? <laughs> I mean, a lot of people will know and will have followed you for years. Diablo is one of the most hardcore of PC games that... 
has existed and there will be many people who know all about you. Um, but tell us a little bit how you sort of entered the video game industry. You studied at California State, right? Right. So how, how was the progression from there, studying computer science, to then getting your first role in the industry? Well, uh, I started out by saying I just wanted to make video games. And uh, and in high school, I was a good enough programmer that I could just make video games. Uh, but my parents felt that it was really important that I, when that career obviously isn't going to work out, <laughs> I have something to fall back on. <laughs> and uh, uh, so that, you know, they said, go get a degree. You'll you'll thank me later kind of thing. And yeah. Uh, and so uh, I did go get a good degree, uh, but in computer science. But uh, honestly, it didn't really help me with making video games. I didn't really learn hardly anything there. Strangely, that, that... strangely enough, my I I at the time didn't want to go to university. I I you know I'd studied at school, I'd studied at college, and I didn't want to go. And my mother was desperate for me to get a degree, the same as you. And she was like you like video, you, you know, when you go make video games or something and you know, you, you want to do that. And I was like, yeah, actually that sounds pretty cool. And she was like, wait, you know, like computer science, that'd be good. I learned nothing about what I learned out of making video games <laughs> through doing computer science. Very similar to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this is, you know, e even this was in the eighties. So the, the amount of information about making video games <laughs> didn't even enter the stratosphere of it. <laughs> higher education they you know that they poo-pooed that little hobby that was you know that was that was for you know that was wasn't part of real educational learning yeah. at that time so okay uh now now there's actual classes and people you can get a degree in these kind of things and it's uh, yes it's a lot it's a lot better than it was then then there was literally zero information about making video games so you weren't put off by your I don't want to say wasting time because you got a degree, but the 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 halting of your progress towards the video games industry, then you weren't put off in any way. No, not really. Uh, you know, I thought that it was important as well uh, to get the degree just in case uh, the video game thing didn't work out. I suspected it would because that's all I really wanted to do, and I wanted to make it work. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it was also just uh, it makes some sense. Plus, then you know. I could just party a lot, so that was, it, was <laughs> <laughs> it worked out just great. <laughs> it does, and to be fair, the video game career has then since worked out, but how did you make it work then? So you, you uh, got your degree, and then right. you must have been, what, applying for roles or searching yeah. around? Yeah, that's exactly right, and in, in, this is, you know, very early 90s, and... Uh, so a lot of people still applied for jobs through newspaper ads and things like that. Uh, and uh, I applied to a bunch of places and eventually got uh, a bite on a, on a place up in San Francisco. Uh, I was living down in San Jose. The Bay Area has kind of like three big cities, Oakland, San Francisco, and San Jose. They're all right next to each other. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was kind of living, you know, about half an hour, 45 minutes away from this job. But I said, okay, you know, I want to make video games. This would be great. And I went up there. It was like this really tiny, tiny shop that they had been doing clip art. Uh, and so they had a bunch of artists and that wasn't working out. So they got a video game contract because they had all these artists, but they needed a programmer. So that's where I came in and they hired me to do this job. And uh, and I was making a game for the Atari Lynx 
handheld machine. And, uh, and it was, I was working there probably three or four months and then my paychecks started bouncing. <laughs> and so oh, no. <laughs> it was kind of, a, it was kind of a, a good first lesson on how the video game industry works actually, because uh, <laughs> it stability was, is not something that the video game industry is known for. So the, uh, you know, to, to get that kind of lesson right off the bat, it was like, well, I got to actually, you know, get paid to work on a job, you know, work on work for a living. Yeah. So I, I ended up applying and getting a job at Iguana Entertainment is actually one of the very first employees there. And uh, and Iguana Entertainment went on to make NBA Jam and a bunch of other yeah. things. And, uh, Turok and, so I was, and stuff like that. Right, yeah. exactly. And so I was part of the initial group that uh, there was kind of the founding people, the three or four founding people. And then uh, I was the first employee at Iguana. Oh. Dude, did you did you stay with Iguana until they was it Acclaim they got bought by or became? Yeah, they became part of Acclaim. Uh, I did not stay that long. Uh, I was there for a few years and did Arrow the Acrobat and I did uh, NBA uh, uh, this super high impact football game, uh, which was a arcade conversion and a couple other things that I worked on yeah. there. Uh, but uh, they got the NBA Jam contract. Uh, and st- I started working on that, and then the co- the uh, the president got married, and uh, moved the company to Texas, and I didn't want to move to Texas, so uh, I stayed in the area, and <laughs> left there, and met up with some of the artists that I had met at that first company, the clip art company, Max and Eric, and the three of us started our own development company, Condor. Condor, that then became Blizzard. Wow, the video games right. industry like to throw you a few uh, loopholes to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> keep you fighting to make sure yeah. you're still inspired to yeah. work. You went through yeah. a few tumultuous times. And then obviously leading up to Condor, founding Condor, which then became Blizzard North, um, the studio responsible for Diablo and Diablo 2. Um, from there, after, you know, working on Diablo and then Diablo 2 and a version of Diablo 3 as well, uh, you left Blizzard North and you went through a few roles, including the one at Flagship Studios and also gazillion to work on marvel heroes now you're doing your own stuff um what was what was the gap between you know working for a studio and now working on your own did you always plan to go back into the games industry to work on your own stuff or were you kind of like do you know what everyone else is trying this indie thing now i'm gonna give it a shot as well uh i think it's a little bit of both uh but the problem is, I mean, it's kind of a problem. It's a, it's a blessing too, in that uh, I keep getting promoted to being the boss of these companies, <laughs> and uh, and it's not really what I want to do. I, I, I really enjoy actually programming and making the games themselves, doing design work and and making yeah. the product. And so, uh, uh, you know, I when you're CEO of a company. You aren't really working on the product. No. I, mean, I can give a little bit of design feedback and stuff like that, but I'm mainly making PowerPoint presentations for investors and things like that. You know, and it, it's Keeping not the studio real. running. Yeah, exactly. And and when I was a kid, I didn't say, "Hey, when I grow up someday, I want to be CEO." <laughs> when I want to make go to video games, school, I, I, I went to. I want to make video games. So <laughs> after doing, yeah, after doing that for a little while, it just I kind of burnt out on it, and I was like, "Look, yeah. I got to get back to doing what I really love. I got to do something for myself here." 
And uh, so I went back and said, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to make my own indie studio and it'll be small and I'm going to work on a small project and, and whatnot. And, uh, and then I don't know, I just went crazy and decided to do the whole thing myself. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure what my motivation was, but the, uh, <laughs> so you, but you are doing everything, right? You're doing the art, correct. the music, the, the, obviously the gameplay, you're a programmer, so that right. would make sense. How, yeah. how is, how's it been going? Cause what is it? It's coming up to two years. I'm two years in development now, kind of. No, uh, well, sort of. Uh, you know, I've been gone for two years, uh, but the first year I, I spent a good chunk of the time making a mobile game, and okay. uh, and then late in the in the fall, I talked to some of my buddies in the mobile space about how to publish it if they were interested in publishing it or co-publishing it because I didn't know anything about the mobile space and how to actually <laughs> get games you know in front yeah. of people and whatnot and and they were and they said oh no 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 get out get out <laughs> get out while you can <laughs> i saw That's your like... comment actually on the ign interview you did recently uh, about this yeah. and as someone who is making a sort of pc and mobile title at the same time i was like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really difficult to get it's, eyeballs yeah. on a product, uh, especially if it's not free. And if it's free, mm. then you have to have a bunch of microtrans, and you have to have a bunch of metrics, and you have to understand yeah. how everybody's paying for what and whatnot, and tweak all the numbers. And and, and I just like that. That's not what I want to do. Uh, that's not the direction I want to take with my career. I just want okay. to sell something, right? I want to make a product, yeah. and I want to sell it uh, for a set price. And so. I kind of abandoned that project. Someday, maybe I'll probably I'll probably release it someday. But uh, uh, right now, it's on the back burner. Um, it's nothing like it looks below, right? It's a no, different game. No, no it's okay. it's it's a casual game of all ah. things. It's very strange. It's very different, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a casual RPG. Anyway, uh, it's anyway. Uh, so then, in December of two thousand sixteen. I uh, decided to kind of scrap what I was doing and start over. And so It Lurks Below has been in development a little over a year, year and okay. two, three months or so, because uh, it's about mid-December that I started on the, on the project. Nice. And smooth sailing so far has it been? It sounds like from what I've heard you talk about, it's been like more of a in, really enjoyable experience being able to be creative again and make all the decisions in terms of the design and just be like, I want to add like this feature in. I'm just going to do it. No one's going to stop me. I don't have to talk to like 20 people in a room about it. I can just do it. Yeah. There's no arguing. Well, I mean, there's sometimes there's arguing between me, myself and I, but that's just normal, <laughs> normal walls, development. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> and, and I think that, that, you know, it has been, it has been su super smooth sailing. I knew that I had something kind of fun Right off the bat, the prototype was like, yeah, this is really great. This is fun. The combat's great. I know I can build something around this. And uh, and so uh, I think it had kind of like that great feeling right from the start. And, yeah. And uh, that helped a lot. Uh, and it's been really exciting for me. I've you know barely been able to sleep. I get up in the middle and I, oh, I can, I'm going to add this. Or, <laughs> oh, I, I got to fix this bug. I f figured out how to fix this thing. Or, you know, whatever, right? It, whatever it is, I, you know, and so I'm. I'm barely sleeping. I'm working a lot. But at the same time, you know, I, I worry about 
things, though, you know, revealing the game to the world, it was like, I'm sitting down here in my little office in my dark hobbit hole, like working away. <laughs> and is this, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of a scene out of The Shining, all work and no play makes Jack right. a dull boy. Have I made something just completely insane or is it actually, you know, am I, am I not off my rocker? Anyway, so with the initial reception to the beta being so positive, it it was kind of a big relief to it solidified the uh, <laughs> yeah, oh exactly. I, I nailed the uh, initial yeah. like mechanics kind of thing yeah that's yeah. great to hear I I mean I I feel terrible now that I'm gonna banish you to a deserted place <laughs> where I, I feel like I have to give you a laptop to be able to work on it or something I, I don't want to deprive you of this excitement that's going on right now but it looks below is now in development and you I you're having like sort of sp a beta but like specific people play it correct right like right now okay yeah it was kind of like a closed beta of about 150 ish 200 people uh just a lot of friends in the industry and some mm. other people that i know and whatnot and uh and some streamers and and whatnot on twitch so uh that uh you know that small group we kind of organized it before the announcement people that i knew and whatnot and uh, and so that they've and then we got a little Discord channel and we chat and I fix bugs and they patched it every day and I listened to a lot of their suggestions and implemented a lot of stuff and and so it's been it's been real fun a real community in view involved project. It's one of the things I enjoyed the most about Marvel Heroes was kind of this community interaction and getting feedback from people and stuff like that. So to kind of put that in that same sensibility into uh, creating it lurks below, I think has been something that's been rewarding already and i and i plan to continue in the future excellent well i look forward to playing it i really liked the the look of it like it reminds me of a game like starbound like right. know, a game i really enjoyed and obviously it has you you're aiming for a sort of diablo-esque combat style and uh, you know the sort of clicking and attacking kind of thing it looks really interesting so i'm looking forward to playing it in the future that's if you get chance to finish it because we are going to send you to the deserted place now no! and it is high time we pack your bags and get ready you have eight games to choose to talk about first and um i will say it's a rather eclectic list of games um, I think anyone who's a fan of yours, someone who's thinking, man, the guy who made Diablo, he must choose like the most hardcore PC games and all this kind of thing. And the first game we're going to kick it off with is a delight. And I, <laughs> when I saw this was the first game on your list, I got a little excited. Looking forward to hearing you talk about this. It's just that the, the Diablo and this just they don't they don't meet. There's no correlation <laughs> in any graph of where these two meet. So. Let's listen to some music from the first game on your list, David. And uh, let's, of course, dive right into David's final games.
So jumping in to David's final games and getting ready to send him to the deserted place, in which we'll talk about a little while later, the first game on your list, a fantastic series, a series I enjoy so much, and uh, a certain uh, entry into the series, the latest one, that I also really, really enjoyed. The game was developed by Game Freak, and it was published by Nintendo and the Pokemon Company, directed by Kazumasa Iwao. It was uh, released for the 3DS and kind of is going to be one of those last remaining handheld, well, kind of handheld, I guess, with the Switch being the next uh, platform that this series will release on. It's still handheld. The the genesis of where this series came from is still going to be there. This game released uh, as a... I, I don't know how to phrase these... When Nintendo and the Pokemon Company does this, when they release the same game but upgraded, it's not like a remaster... It's kind of like a re-release. But this is a re-release of the original Pokemon Sun and Moon games. Released in November of last year. It's Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. David, this is delightful. I am am ready and waiting to hear why you're going to be taking one of the Pokemon games with you. Please tell me. Why is Pokemon Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon going to be going with you? Uh, simply because I had to pick a Pokemon title. I mean, Pokemon is probably my favorite all-time series. Uh, I played that every is single awesome. one. <laughs> <laughs> I've played every single one. I've caught every single Pokemon. I have every legendary. I have every everything. I am a hardcore Pokemon fan. Uh, I have my my kids play it. Uh, I play it more than my kids. I like. I mean, I. <laughs> I just love Pokemon. I love every I love everything about Pokemon, and uh, and I've seen all the movies. I've like I mean I I am really really into Pokemon, and uh, I have Pokemon underwear. I mean it is. <laughs> I am I am officially wearing I am officially wearing Pokemon socks right now. Actually, I'm wearing uh, some nice. Pokemon socks, and I have this nice little Pokeball stand oh, yeah. for my phone actually um being in japan pokemon is not hard to come by so yeah i i imagine have you been to japan before oh yeah yeah many times yeah so i imagine you uh were just overwhelmed at some points by how much you see pokemon <laughs> in japan we have Absolutely. bread pokemon bread over here and stuff like that that's amazing to hear because pokemon originally came out around the same time you were developing diablo so right. Was this something that you got into at the very beginning? Was Pokemon no. Did, okay. It, it, it was, I mean, yes, it was. It, I, I got the, the my first Pokemon cartridge was the yellow. Okay. So uh, it you know I kind of quote unquote missed the red and the blue, uh, yeah. but uh, I got yellow and then I went back and got red and blue and played them or whatever. But the uh, <laughs> but the but yeah I kind of missed the very initial wave. Uh, but then, ever since then, I bought every one, you know, day one as as it comes out or whatever. Played them through, so that's amazing. Uh, the games you make, uh, the the sort of action RPGs, compared to these turn based. I mean, one of the very sort of well known facts about Diablo is that initially it started out as a turn based RPG and then became the sort of action role playing game that it became. Um, with Pokemon, is is anything from Pokemon ever made it like into Diablo two? Did did you think, oh my god, Nintendo nailed it with this feature and this element of Pokemon? Is there some aspect of Pokemon that's ever made it into any of your games that you've been a part of? 
Um, not directly. I, I think that uh, in some ways, it's definitely an inspiration for some of the things I do. Like, uh, a little bit in Marvel Heroes was, like, the idea that there's just going to be less skills and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of characters. That concept is very similar to to Pokemon in that, you know, there's a lot of Pokemon and the number of skills that they have, there's a lot of skills in the game, but they, but they're shared each one, between, yeah, yeah, they're shared between a bunch of them and things like that. Yeah. And that was kind of the initial thoughts behind uh, Marvel heroes. We ended up not wholly adhering to that or whatever in the end, uh, but, uh, and went a different direction, but that was definitely something that we considered at the very beginning. And I've always wanted to make a, you know, collectible Pokemon style, you know, collect them kind of monsters or whatever it is kind of yeah. game. Uh, and I actually, we started work on one at Blizzard North for a little while uh, and kind of the prototype stage, uh, but uh, it never went anywhere. <laughs> Damn, that would have been interesting to see. Um, Tell me then, some of your favorite Pokemon. You, you ha we can't have a conversation about Pokemon without talking about who, who's your favorite yeah well i we asked somebody asked this the other night when we were streaming and uh my wife and i and uh and i think that i i settled on my favorite my favorite all-time legendary pokemon is mewtwo and then okay uh, yeah and uh yeah and uh and my favorite all-time starter was infernape or is infernape still uh, I, I I don't know why I like that one so much, but I like the fighting and the the fighting fire, fire combination. Type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that it, it looks pretty cool, and and the animations are great now. They're in three D and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <coughs> that's probably one of my favorites. But my my favorite kind of just atmospheric, though he's not very powerful. Uh, Snorlax is my my all time just kind of favorite <laughs> cuddly Pokemon. <laughs> He's very cuddly. Um, just you have to be careful he doesn't land on you. Or something yeah, exactly. Like that. I don't want to get it's, squished by him. I, one thing I have asked people who have chosen Pokemon games before for the show: um, Are you someone who embraces each generation of Pokemon? Because there, there is definitely the dividing line between people who have embraced the newer generations and do enjoy. Obviously, you're picking Ultra Moon and Ultra Sun, so. There are some elements of whether the game is very good and the Pokemon are kind of subpar compared to older ones. Or are you someone who is like, no, the the original 150, they, they were the best and Pokemon has just downhilled since then. <laughs> no, I think that, uh, I mean, there is some truth to that. I think that some the original ones still are overall the best. But maybe yes. that's just nostalgia. I don't really know. Uh, but there, I like that every time... For me, it's more like uh, an uh, almost an expansion set to Magic the Gathering kind of thing. You know, it's like a oh, here's a, oh, a okay. bunch of new cards or whatever. Here's a bunch of new Pokemon, and some are going to be great, and some I'm really interested in, and some I'm oh, I can't wait to hunt that one down and add them to my team to do this combination with this other thing. And so, I I, I think of it more of a, like a from a mechanical standpoint necessarily than you know aesthetically or anything like that. I I, I don't. Whatever style that they choose to do the graphics in is fine, but it's the, uh, uh, you know, they kind of have a look or whatever that they go with, the theme yeah. that they go with yeah. on each one. So, and I've liked the last one. Like, I like the kind of Hawaii like look uh, that yeah. they did in the, in the, in the Sun Moon series. And so, um, 
you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's been ups and downs or whatever, but overall, I've found some Pokemon from every single series that I've really enjoyed playing or collecting and adding uh, new combinations and new ways to play the game that I that I really enjoy. Excellent. Well, speaking of the, the situation you are in, you're in a deserted, you know, play situation where you, these are going to be the games you play for the rest of your days kind of thing. And mm-hmm. Pokemon is a very good fit for this kind of situation the games last an incredible long time and they have both the aspect of collecting them all and filling out the pokedex and also the battling are you going to be okay once you've filled the pokedex i mean it's going to take a long time like hundreds of hours to be able to fill a complete pokedex but when you're stuck on a deserted island or place that's not going to be that long of a time so when you finish the Pokedex, are you going to be okay with just battling? Is the battle mechanics and that kind of thing, they are a little simple sometimes. But is that going to be okay with you? Is is Pokemon both the hunting and battling? Or are you going to be like, ah, I've kind of finished that now? No, I think that uh, that's a good question. And I think that in, in general, I think that uh, I, I probably would collect them all, do some battling, and then I would restart it. And I would start over again and do it again kind of thing. So oh, okay. it, for me, it's, it's the, the actual filling it out is the, you know, filling out the Pokedex is one of the big things for me. And so the enjoyment of repeating that process, which I feel like I almost do anyway every time that there's a new version, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the, it, I, I enjoy that process. So starting it over, I don't think would be that big of a deal. I would battle for a while. I like doing the high end stuff or whatever for a little while, but then, you know, it's fun to start over too. It's like a sentimental last episode where Ash just releases all 700 Pokemon into the wild and he's just like, I'm going to start again, kind of thing. But I think Pokemon is a very solid choice for a deserted play situation. So we'll allow you to take... Which which one is the better one out of the two? I mean, I, I don't feel so bad giving you both of them because they're basically essentially the same game. But if you could only choose one of them, which one is the one you prefer? Moon or Sun? Uh, probably sun but not by much <laughs> uh, sun does take place of, on a day cycle which is right, useful right and uh i think that uh you know in general that was one of the tough things i had when i was choosing because i had to choose a pokemon game was i going to do something like emerald which was like the combo you know of two different ruby and sapphire together or whatever where you could play both sides or was i going to take something like the latest version, which got, which has so many Pokemon, you know, it's like, do I, do I, but doesn't have the combo version, right? It doesn't, yeah. doesn't have the, the one version that can fill it all. So I, uh, you know, I, in the end I would choose Sun, I think. Okay. Well, we'll allow you to take both anyway, because I mean, this is, this is essentially <laughs> no difference between the two of them. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> I'm very strict on my rules usually. <laughs> Although a lot of people get away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> but we are going to move on now. We're going to move on to the second game on your uh, second game on your list. And we're also going to talk about the uh, deserted place in which we're going to send you as well. So let's listen to some music from this next game. And let's, of course, dive straight into it.
Okay, so moving on to the second to last game. Uh, second to last game? No, the second game. God, we're not even there yet. The second game on David's list. And just before we do talk about the next game, we have to talk about the place in which you're going to be sent to, David. And I'm very kind. I've already given you two games off the bat, and we're only on the second one. So technically, this is the third game. I'm, I'm kind of like that. So <laughs> I allow you the choice of where you want to be sent to, with the caveat that it has to be a place from video games. So the deserted place in which you're going to spend the rest of your days playing Pokemon and the next few wonderful games is a place from video games. Now, it's of course going to be deserted, so there are not going to be any NPCs to help you or anything of the sort like that. But many video games have wildlifes that and ecosystems that can be deadly and dangerous. That's part of the thing. So you have to think a little wisely about the dangers of the place in which you might be sent to. Is there anywhere that immediately sparks to mind? I mean, you wouldn't want to go to any place from Diablo. I'm just, I'm already throwing that out there. You don't want to, you don't want to do that. Is there any place that particularly springs to mind? Um, I, I don't know why Britannia keeps coming, you know, the going to, the, you know, the, the worlds of Ultima is, is definitely uh, right up there on my list. However, I, I think it would be super dangerous, but I think it would be super exciting, too, at the same time. So I, I, I think that the, we'll go with that. Okay, well, we'll send you there with Pokemon <laughs> and the next game on your list. I mean, it's pretty safe. You'll be fine. Uh, we'll send you there with this next game that you're going to be taking with you. And the next game is a 3D fantasy-themed MMORPG, or MMO as we just call them these days. It was released by Sony Online Entertainment back in March of 1999 and was kind of the the real big hit when it came to MMOs. Um, and it even inspired World of Warcraft, which came a bit later from the big guys over in the other studio that you might know about. Uh, Blizzard Entertainment, and uh, this game won so many Game of the Year awards and is still so wildly influential uh, a game. It holds a very important sort of piece of gaming industry history, I think, and I've never personally played it, actually. (laughs) Uh, This is a little before my time, I think, but the next game on your list, David, is EverQuest. Now, MMOs are Obviously, a delight when it comes to a deserted place. They're endless, essentially. Um, but why specifically EverQuest? Uh, this was a tough choice, actually, because I, I wanted to put either World of Warcraft or EverQuest on the list. I, I, I wanted to put one of the two on there. And in the end, I chose EverQuest just simply because it was the first game that I played that was like that. Even though I think that in a lot of ways World of Warcraft is is better, uh, I it, you know interface and et cetera et cetera, uh, nothing can beat the nostalgic view of EverQuest. And in fact, I still play EverQuest every wow, now really? and then. Uh, wow, really? Yeah, and uh, in fact, I played it pretty pretty faithfully about a year and a half ago or two years ago. I, I played probably for about six months. I played almost every day. So. Um, I think that uh, it's, uh, you know, it's it was something that was just so revolutionary at the time and so different than any other experience that I had ever had that uh, that it just it captivated me like no game has ever captivated me. And I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours and hundreds and hundreds of dollars 
on the game and uh, and never regretted it for one second and love the game <laughs> still to today. I think that it's just superb in so many ways. Well, so many players still do love it to this day that it's received 24 expansions since its original release, including one last year, the Ring of Scale or uh, right. an expansion. And that's incredible to think a game from 1999 is still going, still going strong, upping the level cap every now and again to keep people playing. This is like the perfect Deserted Island game. If, if, <laughs> if you have this game that has all this content, like an overload of content, and is still getting updated, it's almost like cheating the system a little. It's almost, <laughs> almost like it. Almost. But My how plan has worked like, perfectly. <laughs> we Obviously, you, you were at Blizzard North. Did you have a little peek into the development of World of Warcraft or stuff that was happening, you know, aside to what you guys were doing while at Blizzard? And as of, you know, a player of EverQuest, were you looking at World of Warcraft going, they're, they're, they're getting it right. They're getting what an MMO is essentially, what, what makes a good MMO? Because obviously, since then... It's argue it's arguable that World of Warcraft went on to do heaps better than EverQuest did originally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's you know because Blizzard knows how to do great interface and has superb design and great art and all of these things that EverQuest didn't necessarily have. Uh, <laughs> but what EverQuest did get right was kind of the social aspects of it, and uh, and being able to kind of get together and and whatnot. When I was still at, uh, you know, being able to play with large groups of people at the same time was just such an amazing experience. And uh, when I was still at Blizzard, uh, we started, you know, I was playing a lot of EverQuest. And so were the guys down south uh, at Blizzard, the Blizzard HQ, they like to call yeah. themselves. Uh, the one with the statue outside. <laughs> yeah, we call them Blizzard South. But, uh, but they call yeah. themselves HQ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and... Uh, and so we talked a lot about they were working on a different product uh, after Warcraft 3 and before World of Warcraft. They were working on a different product that that they canceled after a year of development. Okay. And uh, and then after that, then they decide, well, we're going to I think we're going to make EverQuest. But, you know in Warcraft in the Warcraft it, it, world. Yeah. With our and, uh, with our Yeah, orcs. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We you know, and we would go to these off site meetings and I would talk to Alan about the design all the time, uh, and give him, you know, feedback on what they were, you know, things that they were thinking and uh and how it was gonna work and we would joke about how EverQuest is called EverQuest, yet there's barely any quests in the game, and we should have a lot of quests. And uh, and uh, oh, it'd be we were playing a lot of <laughs> Animal Crossing at the time, and we should have holiday events and like all of these kind of things that wow. were uh, influences on on World of Warcraft that made it into <laughs> the final game. So uh, yeah, I had a lot of kind of insight and help and feedback, and I played a lot of the alpha and gave them a lot of feedback on classes and whatnot uh you know the gameplay uh all the way up until i left excellent that's really interesting to hear especially the animal crossing part um so going to the desert land you're going to be taking everquest with you then um do you still have like a group of people you play with everquest or is it now sort of a solo venture where you jump in and just play for well, a few yeah, hours uh, a little while ago they made made it so you could play by yourself and 
hire like little AI NPCs to fill out your party. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, I would, it'd be okay for me to play by myself, but just my one <laughs> by, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> need other people in the world kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, it'd be fun to have other people there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. say no to that. Uh, th- this was, I mean, the caveat, the caveat of the Island is you can play online games, but you can't, you just can't chat to other people because okay. if you're sending them the coordinates of the, you know, the right. place in which you're in, I mean, that's a pretty, that's against the rules. We can't, we can't have that. But you can play yeah. online games. That's fine. All right. Well, I think that it would work out okay, but not great, because you do need to communicate uh, <clears throat> sometimes about, you know, in EverQuest that, oh, I'm going to, oh, I pulled a whole bunch of guys. Get ready, Enchanter, to mez, you know, a few of these things or whatever. Yeah. You know, they, so they, you might have die a lot more often if you're, <laughs> if you're playing in a group. Uh, anyway, so I think that the thing, the most, the, the thing that's most nostalgic about, EverQuest, and probably the biggest reason that I chose it over World of Warcraft is because I really, I, 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 in a lot of ways, even though I knew my wife in real life, we really started kind of bonding playing EverQuest. And Aww. so really, we, we kind of like fell in love playing EverQuest. And so that really was, uh, you know, we would sit, because it was a slow game, you could sit there and chat and we would just chat all night uh in this kind of glorified chat room or whatever and, and fell in love so i think that that really oh that's amazing edge for me <laughs> that's amazing the power of video games sometimes that's <laughs> that's amazing that's a really wonderful story so i do feel some element of guilt that i'm going to be giving you this piece that will just remind you of your wife and those wonderful <laughs> memories and yet you won't be able to talk to her I'm, I'm sorry i'm very sorry <laughs> well you can take EverQuest with you, so you can be playing Pokemon while sort of grinding away in EverQuest. And uh, then we're going to move on to the next game, which I usually say, let's listen to some music. But does this game even have any music? I do not know. I've never played this game. It looks very interesting. Um, but I will find some semblance of sounds or something relating to this game. In fact, I actually have a very good idea for what I can insert here, which is exciting, because... The next game is based a little bit on The Lord of the Rings, well, J.R.R. Tolkien's work. So maybe I can insert some Howard Shaw epic <laughs> Lord of the Rings <laughs> themes in here. Yeah, yeah, that would absolutely. be great. <laughs> so let's listen to some something from the next game. And let's, of course, dive straight into it. So jumping into the next game then, and 
I have zero, zero information on what this game is about. I, it's a dungeon crawl roguelike, uh, of which in the early 90s there were many, and we've had quite a few of them on the show prior, actually. Um, but I've never heard of this one. This one is a, a game that was developed by two guys actually in Warwick in the UK back in 1990. And talking about games like EverQuest that are from the 90s that are still getting updated, this game did re- really did receive a stable release update only in December of last year. So there are still many people still playing it. Um, the goal is to survive 100 floors in a fortress of Angband to defeat the Morgoth. Very Lord of the Rings writing there. Uh, it was uh, released on Unix, Windows, Mac OS, and Android. It's uh, Angband. David, please inform me of what this wonderful sounding title is actually all about. Uh, in a nutshell, it's Diablo. <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, it, it's, you know, you're the at symbol and you're attacking the letter K, uh, but uh, but it's in many ways it is Diablo. It's random levels. It's lots of character classes, random monsters, unique items, randomly generated items, all this kind of stuff. So in a lot of and it's but it's turn based. So it's uh, it's kind of what the initial. This is the game that really inspired Diablo. Uh, oh wow! I have played okay. I have played hundreds and hundreds of hours of this game. Uh, it's one of my. It's probably my favorite all-time game, and uh, it's uh, you know I think that it's so addictive. Uh, it is a roguelike through and through in that it is uh, got all the random elements plus permadeath. Um, yeah. So it, you know you you get one life or whatever, and so it's extremely like incredibly difficult. I've only oh, I've only won the game once, uh, and I've played. I, I, thousands of times so uh, <laughs> uh and uh it's it's got that addictive quality it's um you know the dungeons are unexplored you kind of go through and reveal the dungeon and you open up a room and there can be a whole bunch of monsters in there and you have to decide how you know which ones you're going to attack and how you're going to attack them and they do all sorts of stuff they could multiply and fill up the room really quickly so you got to get rid of that multiplying one and it, and then inevitably you run into this situation where it's like you know you're getting down to those last turns and uh oh my god i'm running out of health and i'm being attacked and i don't know what to do here and how am i going to strategize about what i'm gonna what am i gonna do am i gonna attack am i gonna flee am i gonna quaff a potion am i gonna read a scroll and what what am i gonna do to try and get myself out of this jam so I don't prevent, you know, I, I don't die and I don't, my character doesn't get erased because I yeah. I put a good good amount of time into this character <laughs> and I'm kind of attached at this point and uh, what am I going to do? So uh, it is, uh, it is just, it's, it, it's gripping and it's, and it's palm sweating and, uh, and it's, and it's just a, it's just a great, great game. It's got kind of all the gameplay depth of Diablo, but, uh, you know, very simple ASCII graphics, but it has all of that kind of, all those kind of same addictive qualities. Did you play a lot of the sort of ASCII style, uh, yeah. roguelikes, you know, like NetHack and games like that, a Dwarf Fortress and those kind of games. Was that like a big start for you when you were playing video games and getting into the industry? Yes, absolutely. I, I played this game. It's called Rogue. 
Yes, Rogue. That's where yes. the term actually comes from. <laughs> uh, Rogue, the game that spawned roguelikes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, Moria, which was an Angband predecessor, and NetHack, and like all of all of these uh, games like this, uh, were very big at the university. Uh, we had Unix machines there, and we would play these. These were the games of the choice, really, and we would have kind of a uh, you know, a ladder of, of high scores for the university. And so, you know, competing with other, my fellow geeky people in the lab was uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely a lot of fun. And so I, I spent a bunch of time kind of in the computer lab playing these games. That's what's been one of the most interesting aspects about doing this show now for 74 episodes and having wonderful people like yourself and Derek, you and all these guys who have chosen games like, Rogue or NetHack and Angban, and these are games that I've never experienced. They, they were pre like GUI style games. They were very early stuff. And having gone back and actually played Rogue out of interest for why people keep choosing it and NetHack as well, um, there is definitely a sort of pure mechanic driven. Like I don't know what it is. Like as you said, you've played thousands of hours of Angband and that kind of thing. There is just like a very pure, you know what you're going to get out of it, but every time is different. Like you you know what each uh, ASCII character does and there is no, there's no like watching the animation of an enemy or anything. You just know what that enemy is and what the limitations of that enemy are. It's so very pure that you you can immediately like go into a random room, but you can immediately scope out everything, whether, whether you're going to fail or whether you're going to succeed because you know exactly the pieces of it. And it, there's something incredibly pure about that that I really do like, even if it is very pre-early video game sort of style. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, that's really kind of defined my career and my design sensibilities as well, because uh, for me, I'm much, uh, I'm very much a gameplay first kind of person. I'm yes. gameplay over story, over art direction, over anything that... The king for me is gameplay. And so playing these old games like this, these old roguelike games or whatever, where you are, you know, you're attacking the letter K kind of thing, you know, that's, <laughs> it's, it, it really is, you have to use your imagination, but the mechanics are so deep and yes. complex that it makes the, uh, it makes the game interesting, despite the fact that you're just letters on a screen or whatever. <laughs> are you a fan of Lord of the Rings anyway? Yeah, I this, am. I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Anyhow, so this was this was like two great loves coming together, <laughs> <laughs> just hitting you right in the uh, sort of Tolkien the Tolkien bone that we all have. Exactly. Um, I really do enjoy this sort of like Dwarf Fortress is one that still is popular. I think like Dwarf Fortress yeah. very much still gets spoken about a lot and is getting yeah. constantly updated. There's definitely like a sort of there, there's obviously a progression curve where those games sort of died as graphics became popular, but 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 now we've we've hit the t the tail end of PlayStation Four engines and PC engines being able to be like, this is what Uncharted looks like. It's photorealistic, and everyone's kind of like, ah, well, you know, we're kind of bored of that now. We know what photorealism looks like. It, it was this striving pinnacle for a long time where who can get the most photorealistic graphics kind of thing. 
And now everyone's kind of like, well, we know video games can look great, so let's go backwards. And there has been this definitely, <laughs> like, the the curve is going upwards for games like NetHack and, uh, you know, Dwarf Fortress and that kind of thing. And obviously, Angbang re- receiving an update in December of last year. So there's almost like a, I wouldn't say comeback, but there's definitely a rise in popularity for people going back and playing those games. Ever thought about making one yourself? Maybe getting in 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 the upcoming market of ASCII graphic game return? <laughs> no, I, I have flirted with that idea a few times, but it quickly ends as I come to my senses. I think that, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I could make a, a ASCII game like that and it would be fun, but I couldn't expect to actually make a living, you know, making yes, a game like uh, yeah. that. Right? So, they are uh, notoriously not good for making a living, apart from Dwarf <laughs> Fortress, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's always one, right? There's always one. That is true. But, you know, with games like It Looks Below, you know, they are from the outset. I mean, obviously, it it's 2D and you immediately, like, you can assess, like, what's going around you because everything is very apparent. Like, you have the character player, you have the enemy models, and, and the world is kind of like a you know, a sort of Terraria-style thing. But you know, going into these randomly generated areas, exactly what to get out of them. And it kind of harks back to that sort of Angbang style. Is that, as you said, you are the pure gameplay, like, that's what strives first. So when making something like It Looks Below, do you have to fight the balance between, I really want to make something look really pretty, but it could obscure the gameplay a little too much? Um... Yeah, I guess I struggle with that a little bit, but I don't have that much of a problem with it because, you know, I'm not that talented of an artist. <laughs> so <laughs> making stuff look pretty is pretty difficult for me. So the uh, uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it, again, when for me, it's important to get that gameplay and that feel and et cetera. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then if I can add some bells and whistles on top of it, that helps a lot. But I don't spend all my time on the bells and whistles and then say, okay, now what does it feel like or play like? It's the opposite path for me. If I've got time left over, I can go back and enhance it visually or maybe with some sound or something like that as opposed to the other way around. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to... I'm actually really looking forward to playing it. It looks blow. <laughs> From what I see of it, because I am very much... My, my grow up is like just before that, like, just after the sort of PC game rise, mine was the pure Nintendo mechanical platforming styles, getting like getting the mechanics right first. And I mean, they're very much similar in a way. And that's great because we're going to move on to the next game now. And we're going to talk right. about a balance of very beautiful graphics, but also pure, excellent gameplay. So let's listen to just some outstanding music from Koji Kondo. And let's dive right into the next game on David's list and talk a little more about fantastic mechanics.
So jumping into the next game, after listening to some wonderful music from Koji Kondo, one of Nintendo's finest composers, this game came out in 1990. I forget how old this game really is, even though looking at it today, it's still beautiful. We obviously talked about games with a sort of no graphics, but now we can talk about games with graphics. <laughs> Very beautiful ones. Um, this is a side-scrolling platformer that was developed by Nintendo EAD. It was directed by Tezuka Takashi and produced, obviously, by the wonderful Shigeru Miyamoto. It released for the Super Nintendo back in 1990 in Japan, and a little later, a year over in North America, and then two years later in Europe, which is Europe getting the rough end of everything again with video games. Thankfully, we live in a world where global releases is a thing now, but back in the day, whew, we would see Pokemon games, and we wouldn't get them for 9, 10, 11, even like I remember Pokemon Gold seeing screens from that from Famitsu in Japan, and it took two years before I could even play that game later. So we used to get the rough end really badly. But this game is, it was worth the wait. It is the wonderful Super Mario World. David, why are you taking Super Mario World with you? Uh, for me, it was the pinnacle of platformers uh it was i i just love super mario in general uh but this was in my opinion the greatest super mario game uh i don't like the 3d mario stuff as much as i like the 2d mario and this was the best of the 2d mario things, yes in my opinion yeah so uh this this is that's the reason that i chose it i thought that the the you know introduction of Yoshi, for instance, came in uh, with with this with Super Mario World. So many worlds, you know, a hundred, I think it was ninety nine or a hundred worlds or something like that. And and uh, just like it was so big, it had so many secrets, it had so many incredible mechanics uh, that uh, still to this day I go back and I play that game quite a bit. Uh, it's still my all time favorite Mario. Excellent. Well, it's what I always have this distinct battle between what is my favorite Mario game and a lot of people know Super Mario World is one I've hopped on about maybe far too much on this show <laughs> in the past it's one of uh, my very formative games I feel but it balances as you said you haven't really got on with the 3D Mario games too much but I do have a very difficult time personally deciding between Super Mario World and Super Mario Galaxy what is it about the 3D games that the 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 change from Nintendo's 2D Mario to 3D, is there something that was lost, or is it just like a completely different style of game? Uh, yeah, both. I think mechanically, I, I think that they do a lot of really interesting things, like including in the new Odyssey game, like that the hat mechanic and yeah. being able to like take over all these different things and play as these different characters. Super interesting, you know. They, yeah. In Sunshine, they they had clever mechanics. In Galaxy, they had clever mechanics, and so they. They do a really great job with kind of creating a new way to play the game every single time. But I think that, for me, it was never... I mean, even though Mario is, is about that, they kind of went away from... They trended more towards, like, the Super Mario Brothers 3 thing, where, where it was like, we're going to play as a bunch of different types of characters, rather than mechanically do... I, I'm a big secrets kind of person. Like, I really like you know, finding those hidden blocks and yeah. like the simplicity of, oh, we've got this, you know, you got to jump up here and you can run along the top of the screen and you can like <laughs> come down and there's like a secret pipe that you can go in that you can go to the warp seat, of, you know, world five and like, yeah, you know, like the those kind of and... things. 
those kind of things i think those are the things that excite me right okay and that hack that 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 kind of goes back to like adventure on the 2600 uh which is really dating myself but i, I don't I, you know that's okay uh we've just we've just spoken about ang bang don't worry about it it's, yeah it's exactly okay. it's so, okay. <laughs> uh you know the, it had like one of the very first secrets where you could pick up this dot and put it across this line and see the credits of the people that made it or whatever and like that kind of those kind of like little tricks and those little secrets were just so exciting to me and, the, and games used to be filled with these kind of things yeah uh, and, and and we've kind of gotten away from that in a lot of ways and I don't know if it's because the internet spoils all of them or whether or not they're just not really part of today's there, design work. There is a balance between the internet spoils everything and also players have short attention spans compared to prior gamers where, you know, what you got was what you did, you dealt with. You know, you, you're like, oh, a game with ASCII graphics? It's a game. I'll play it. It's You know, we right. don't get money of those coming along. Right. Well, I think it also, it's just, the pure volume of games. Yes. Uh, you know, there are so many games that it's hard to have any kind of attention span on anything in these mm. days because it's just so easy to, uh, you know, go on to the next title because there's 20 titles a week or whatever instead of, yes. you know, the way it used to be, which was 20 titles a year. <laughs> I, d I don't know. Do you still get a kick out of playing those types of games that rarely come along now, even if the difficulty is quite high? Yeah, yeah. I, I have I, a, I have a suggestion for you then. Do you do you okay. own a Nintendo Switch right now? Yeah, of course. I I imagine of course with the Poke the next Pokemon game being on Switch, <laughs> it was an immediate purchase. Uh, but a game called Celeste just came out. Yes. I don't, I, yeah, I, I I own it. You, oh, I haven't excellent. played it yet though. Uh, okay. But I, I I yeah, I just bought it last night or two nights ago. Okay. Anyway, well, so yeah, I've, I haven't tried it. yet. I have been playing through Celeste recently, and that is platforming mechanic pure mechanic driven platforming that has tons of secrets in it so great i highly Sounds highly fun. recommend right up it my you. alley it's very much is it's one of those games that rarely comes along but is uh they nail it in terms of the the taking a very core mechanic like mario's jump for example having a very core mechanic and then manipulating that one core mechanic throughout the game not just throwing like multiple different mechanics that completely change how the player plays, but having that one core jump and then manipulating the jump in very, very different ways to interact with the game itself. Um, yeah. I think you'll enjoy that. That is very much going back to what you were just saying. So Great. I look forward to hearing how you, how you get on with Celeste. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll change my top eight list. Oh, maybe <laughs> I, I will admit I was addicted to Monster Hunter World and then I started playing Celeste and I completely forgot about any other game existing right, right now. But you can take Super Mario World with you and I mean, there really isn't so much you can explain about Mario. Yeah. It's Mario. The, 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 it goes without saying, we've had Super Mario World. I think Super Mario World must be the most chosen game for this show. It, I think it's overtaken some, some of the other games like Dark Souls, which have become final game staples let's put it that way yeah. um but super mario world just goes for that explanation so you can take it with you you can take it to the desert island and let's listen to some music from this next game which is another game i don't know anything about which is always incredibly exciting i love hearing about games i have no idea about because they very rarely come along on this show so let's listen to some music from this next game let's of course dive straight into it 
Okay, David. So the next game on your list, I have very little information about. Uh, it's a 4X turn-based game. Am I correct in thinking? Yes. And it was originally published by Microprose. You know, those guys were responsible for publishing Civilization and many other of the 4X like giants at the time. But the, the game was developed by Simtex. And uh, although now uh, I don't think Simtex exists, um, the rights to this franchise are owned actually by Wargaming, the guys That's behind right. World of Tanks. So yeah. I don't know, has there been anything of this series recently? Or are yeah. we talking... Are we, they so they we, made a new version of this game, I guess. Okay. Uh, it did not receive the best reviews. Uh, so... I haven't given it a try, but you know, it, there's there were several versions of this game. Three, I think, before that, and uh, but the first one was still my favorite. So we are speaking about the first one. Then I have to tiptoe around this and make sure I get the exact version right. I wouldn't want you to turn up to the deserted place and look inside the <laughs> box of games and be like, "This is the fucking wrong one." <laughs> that would that would suck. That would suck. So we want to make sure that we get the correct one. So it is the first one. It was a game that was designed by Steve Barisia, and it was uh, released for MS-DOS and Macintosh back in 1993. It is Master of Orion. David, yes. please tell me, one, why you're taking it to the island, and two, explain a little bit about what it's about for someone who's never played it. Uh, well, Master of Orion's a superb game. Uh, it is... Uh, it's a it's kind of it's a turn-based strategy game similar to other kind of 4x turn-based strategy things your civilizations uh galactic civilization for instance is a pretty yeah. close one spaceward ho and there's like a, a bunch of like uh, kind of space turn-based empire was one of the very first ones i played on uh back in the 80s that was also a ascii game uh and uh uh, what I really liked about this was pretty much everything. Uh, this was an incredible comp combination of, of you know, the 4X stuff of being able to go out and uh, build your empire, uh, expand your empire, take over different stars, build new resources, you know, get new resources, build yeah. up new planets, that kind of stuff to kind of dominate the universe. But you could also do it in a... Oh, I'm going to do it with diplomacy or I'm going to do it, uh, you know, with different, there are different tactics that you could use and there are different races you could play. It was randomly generated who you could play against and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And, and so it, it creates lots and lots of combinations and it's something you can play over and over again. So in that way, it's great for the island. But the thing that really separated it from the pack and what made it really fun for me was that you could design your own ships in the game. So okay. you could you could you could say I want to make this particular ship so there was like a research tree and you research different technologies and you re research like a new engine and it would take up a little bit of space or cost a little bit more to make that thing but then you could create these different technologies and put together a, a, an ultra spaceship and design what it looked like and stuff like that and then send out this new ship to kind of go defeat the enemies that are around you with this new technology and so it's super addicting to be able to create this little fleet of warships that you get to design and put together and cobble out of all these different technologies that you're researching and and oh i'm gonna go deep into the lasers right off the bat 
and sure my guys are really slow but they've got these really powerful lasers or whatever you know and, and there was like you could attack planets and you could attack uh you could re- like make bombers for the planets or you could make special troops for the planets and all sorts of stuff so lots of researching that you could do and you had other research that you know you could only research one thing at a time so it was like you had to decide what you're going to do are you going to research things to colonize faster are you going to do weapons are you going to do something where it could terraform useless planets into useful ones and all of these kind of things so the the strategy you know there were so many different possible directions to go in with the strategy it made for a really interesting game and the last thing was the the, t- the title of the game is master of orion and there was a location on the map called orion which was guarded by this the the guardian which was this really powerful spaceship and so once you were powerful enough, you could like defeat the Guardian and take over Orion. And it had like all this wealth of technology and things like that that you could use to really just kick everybody's butt. And, <laughs> and uh, so it was uh, it was kind of like it was the the place that you were kind of trying to co- control. And, and then everybody would fight over control over, over Orion or who was going to get it or whatever. And so that that made for like this interesting location that was better than the other locations that it was kind of an easy goal to get to and and it was there were simple interface it was easy to design ships there were they they could look like almost anything you could think of and uh and really made for hundreds and hundreds of great strategy gaming hours so it was a it's it's my favorite strategy game i really like that idea not many games do that where you can like Oh, you can build an army and you can have all these different units, but the units are, are, are specified already. You, you're just building an army of pieces of units. The one thing I've always enjoyed about like tabletop gaming, for example, like Warhammer 40k or something like that, is you can specifically choose and design like what you want. You're like, this is the style of gameplay I want to go for. As you said, like they're going to be super slow, but they have like these giant lasers on them. So I'm, I'm going to sacrifice all my points to build this army and put giant lasers on them, which is something you can do. Not many games do that where they're like, Oh, like my idea is that I want to be like a stealthy army and have like this unit of stealth. And we can build like these really fast bombers that run through things and stuff. Yeah. It would be like, this unit is a bomber. And then that would be it. And you would have to deal with that. And not many games allow you to, you know, try and like tip the scales in one favor or another. And that sounds really interesting. I, I actually really kind of want to play it now. Um, <laughs> well, there's always yeah. like, there are always, every time we talk about games on final games, that I don't, I, I haven't actually played. Obviously, there's a reason that the, the, the guest wants to take them with them. And that get there is always a reason that stands out to me, and I'm like, oh, why do we not have that now? Why why is the why is this game from 1993 got a mechanic that no one uses? Like, <laughs> civilization is great; you can you know path through your research trees, but having a research tree for like a spaceship, like a spaceship you custom designed to to your specific playstyle or a playstyle you're going through in that run, that seems like a missed opportunity for a lot of. Uh, a lot of companies right now who develop yeah. space sims. I I agree. I don't know why anybody really. I mean, there are, like galactic civilizations allowed you to, to kind of do this, but uh, it's just not, it, you know it, this genre in general is not as popular as it once was, and so I think that uh, the innovation and kind of different tricks that uh, that 
that used to exist have kind of become simplified. Everybody went from this turn-based strategy game to real-time. And when you're doing real-time stuff, you can't really design an army while you're playing a real-time yeah. game. So, uh, you know, I think that it, it has to be this turn-based in order to make it that way. But I think there's also ways to do a combination of these things. And maybe someday I'll make a game like this that uh, that combines the two. Please do. I'm, we're relying on you from the island with your with your with your laptop. We're relying on you to to bring us back this, David. Sounds good. Well, we're going to move on to the next game now, and the next game is uh, unique in the fact that I think everyone owns it. Yeah, everyone who's ever owned a, a PC or in any form owns this game. And if you enjoy what David is about to talk about, you can just go play it if you like. Um. I don't think it has any uniquely music to it, any unique music that has uh, ever been attached to it in any way. So we'll find something to to go here, and and then we'll we'll move on to the next game on David's list. And actually, it's the one of the uh, third. The, I think it's the third to last game. So let's dive straight into it. I don't know. I really don't know what to say about this next game. When you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a, a gas to even try and explain <laughs> explain this choice. Um, we have had someone choose Minesweeper before. Mm-hmm. We've had someone choose Minesweeper, and as you can um, understand, it sits in a very similar car- category to this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This game. Uh, it's a game that everyone who's ever owned a Microsoft PC probably owns. Um, I am disgustingly bad at this game, and I still, to this day, even though I have owned hundreds of PCs that have had this game on it, I have never, ever got to a point where I understood the rules. I even had someone <laughs> explain it to me because I got bored of not of opening it to waste some time losing and then being like what the fuck i just don't know how to play and i still don't understand it but the next game you're going to be taking with you is uh is a game i think everyone knows it's called solitaire (laughs) yes it is why out of everything you could have chosen even card games you know magic hearthstone uh, anything involving cards or even like uh you know when you get those sort of like jackpot uh, collections where they have just basically casino games in them. Why mm-hmm. are you taking Solitaire? Uh, it's really it's my it's my go to game when on my phone and really just to kind of like rest my mind. It's one of the things that I think it, for me it's it's almost like meditation. 
yeah. I uh, I I play it. I I, I it, everything fits into nice little categories. I can I can complete it most of the time. It feels good. I just I enjoy the mechanics, even though they're super simple. Uh, I and someday I'll crack the code of making a a, a solitaire RPG. But I, I'm not there yet. But uh, but I've been working on it for years and years. And someday it'll it'll occur to me. But the um, I you know for me it's just something that I I play all the time. It's the most game you know the most I would say the the game that I played the most. It's a like a casual game I should say. It's not it's not like it's not uh, it's not you know your Dark Souls or it's not it's not a platformer. It's not a console game. But it is for me a game that's that I've spent many 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 hours playing. And I still I play it every day. And I probably play three or four games every day. And so if I didn't have solitaire, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> well, I certainly don't want to deprive you of that. Then. Yeah, and, I, and it was a weird choice. And I thought, well, you know, should I put the, even put this on the list? And I'm like, well, you know, why not? Even though it's not really like a considered a hardcore gamer's game or whatever, it is a video game that I play every day. So maybe it should be on the list. And again, if I couldn't play solitaire, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. Well, I'd have you to see, make cards out of sand or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you're halfway through a game, and the tide just comes and gotta, washes yeah. it all away. Um, exactly. Oli, you say it's not a hardcore game, but I'm a 27-year-old man who's played video games his whole existence. I make video games, I work on video games, and I still don't understand Solid <laughs> Never have. Okay, let's have a little exercise. Dave, please, in as short form as you can, train me up to be able to open Solitaire on my PC and play it. What, what, how do I play this game? Well, it's pretty simple. There are many different variants of solitaire, but in general, uh, the you know the rules are that you're presented with a uh, you know cards going across. There's seven seven columns going across. Yes. And uh, and then they you know the goal is to get all of four of the suits uh, in order, starting with ace all the way up to king. Uh, you know, lift, you know, put up uh, in this kind of the the victory area. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, and so you do it by flipping over three cards, and then depending on what the card is, it has to, you can stack it up on the other cards, and you can move the other cards on the, on the other card, any other card as well, but it has to alternate between red and black, and it has to decrease in numbers. And so uh, you just, you flip it over. Oh, I got a, you know, there's a, a black 10. Oh, I got a red nine that goes on the black 10. And now I, oh, look at this. There's another card showing and it's a red eight with a black seven on it. And I can move both of those cards back, you know, onto the nine now. And I can okay. flip over the card that's underneath and you try and reveal all the cards that are kind of underneath. And eventually you get the aces and you put those down and you move them up and then you, and then you start kind of like, Oh, I flipped over this card and it's an ace. It goes up and then you start building the stacks up. So you, it's it's kind of like stacking in the play area and then stacking in the final area uh, is is the ultimate goal. And to get it's key to kind of get all four of the aces out there and then kind of start building. Uh, okay. And so it's uh it's something that again that it's I played since I was a little kid and I played you know originally I was taught how to play solitaire. 
uh, with actual cards, not, mm. not the video game version. <laughs> but it is, again, something I play almost every day. And, I, I, you know, I, there are several different casual games that I was thinking about putting on the list. But, uh, again, this is the one that I play the most. What are, what are some of the other casual games you play? The, we've had a uh, lot of people on the show, you know, famous video game designers like yourself, who have chosen games like we had Cookie Clicker before, we've had Candy Crush, we've had uh, Puzzle and Dragons. There is something about these games that just, just like, lights go flashing off in game designers' heads. Like, this is, like, something I want to play every day. There, the mechanics are there or something like that. What are some yeah. of the casual games that you play? Uh, well, Puzzles and Dragons is one of the ones that I play. Uh, but uh, I live in Japan. Know. I know all about that. <laughs> uh, I also play, uh, I played a lot of Tetris. Uh, and so that that is another one that was on the list or whatever that I, I was thinking about putting on the list. But it was like, you know, it was it was too crowded. So I it, it didn't make the cut. But uh, I played a, a lot of Tetris as well. I, I mean, Tetris is... the it's like the hardcore of the hardcore game anyway. Right. <laughs> it's the hardcore game that everyone plays. Yeah. <laughs> so is there like a specific version of Solitaire? Like a, not, not not a specific game type of Solitaire, but like a specific version made by someone that you play every day. You say you play on your phone. Is that like a specific version that you would like? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, sure. I take my phone one. Sure. But the, but the, the company that, that makes that one is a company called uh, bite run anyway they uh i don't even know if they exist anymore or whatever you know i got i downloaded it early in the ios you know and it's just stick whatever, with you. You know, <laughs> exactly so uh who knows but uh, uh there are plenty of great solitaire games out there i don't have one recommendation over another okay well anyone who's listening who's never played solitaire or doesn't understand like me i don't know how i've avoided doom i think it's just always that thing like it's the same with minesweeper we've just had these in our faces on you know stuff we've owned for so right. long that you just open it you click around a few times you on minesweeper you just click a few times and same with solitaire you just drag the cars and then you the game ends and you're like well, that was fun, and you close it, and you never quite progress or understand exactly why. I've had to have Minesweeper explained, like, exactly how you realistically play it, because I've never, just never, like, finished a game in either of them. They've just always been there, staples of my right. existence. Just being I think there. one of the reasons I enjoy it so much is because I can play a game while I'm standing in line at the grocery store, and... Mm. And complete it by the time I get up to the front of the line or whatever, you know. So I, yeah. I like that. Oh, I've got I've got two minutes here. I'm gonna quick play a game of solitaire and, and try and win. Oh, I won, or or you know, or oh, it didn't work out this time or whatever. But yeah. it's resolved very quickly. So it's very like quickly. it's this it's this you know it's this quick match that I that if I if I am I feeling lucky today kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> are you feeling lucky, boy? Like I guess. Sudoku, like Sudoku, Sudoku. Sudoku. I live in Japan now, so the pronunci yeah. pronunciation is either Sudoku. do I pronounce it like everyone else does, or do I pronounce it like a pompous ass and say it in the actual <laughs> Japanese? <laughs> um, but there was a game I had on my like old Nokia something something, and that I played that to death. I, pl I yeah. played so much Sudoku back in the day, um, but that I guess doesn't resolve as quickly. That can take a while. Yeah, it depends on how difficult it is and how yeah. big the board or whatever. But they, but it is, it, it's a little bit slower for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can take solitaire with you, and uh, I mean, we might 
uh, th- we'll throw in a pack of cards as well. You can have both. You can have cards <laughs> and you can have yes. the mobile version as well. You, and then uh, with the cards, you, I with don't know. With a pack of you, cards, you can, you can make so a many file. games I can play. Well, you, you can. Boy, you can make, oh, yeah, crap. Oh, no. Well, maybe we'll yeah. have to retcon that in the future. <laughs> well, we're going to move on to the second to last game now on your list, David. And uh, then we're going to get ready to ship you off. And I am very excited to talk about this next game because I... I revel in this next game for many, many years. And I actually, every time we've spoken about it on the show, it's made me want to buy the stuff again and just play it. And I know I'll only play it for an hour and then never play it again. But I love talking about it. So let's listen to one of the the incredible tracks that features on this series or this game. And let's, of course, dive straight into the second to last game on David's List. So jumping into the second to last game, and there was a huge explosion for anyone who is maybe a little younger than myself, which is incredible. Um, There was a huge explosion around 2007, 2008 in the video games industry where everyone owned a plastic guitar. Now it sounds ridiculous, but they did. Every single person either had like a microphone or a plastic guitar. And if you were one of the lucky ones, maybe you owned a whole full plastic drum set as well. And that was because two series came out, one called Guitar Hero, uh, based on the uh, uh, Guitar Freaks arcade game here in Japan. Not many people know about this, but there is an arcade game in Japan called Guitar Freaks. And it is it's just Guitar Hero. It, they, like, Red Octane straight up ripped Guitar Freaks off and uh, completely took their idea and made this incredibly influential franchise. But a spin-off from that was also Harmonix, the developers of um, that wonderful racing arcade game. I forget what it's called. The music one. I forget what it's called. But they made Rock Band, a music video game that was developed by Harmonix and published by MTV Games and EA as well. It released for the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 2, the Wii, uh, back in 2007. But it spawned so many sequels that we had. The Beatles Rock Band, Lego Rock Band, Green Day Rock Band, Rock Band 3, Rock Band 4, Rock Band... Oh, they went on forever. And uh, most recently we had a comeback. But the popularity of these two series have definitely dipped in recent years. But David... You are going to be taking Rock Band with you. Now, are, are we are we taking the whole set? Oh yeah. Someone who, are Absolutely. you someone who can multitask in the musician, the musical well, arena? I I don't know if I can multitask so much as that uh, you know I can pick and choose. Then 
you know, I can, oh, I'm okay, going to play guitar okay. today, I'm going to play drums today, I'm going to sing today, whatever. We're not going to have you, like, one hand on a microphone, one hand well, on a guitar, one hand on a drum pedal. Right, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, you might be able to play it on easy mode or whatever and do that, <laughs> but that, that would be about it, really. If you want to play some of the more advanced modes, you're going to, you you can only focus on one thing. So we're not having like a full Enter the Sandman one man dance. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it depends on how long I'm on the island. Maybe I get really bored and that's all I practice. I mean, you've got a lot of time ahead of you. <laughs> but David, you are taking Rock Band. Uh, why? I mean, endless gameplay is a good start. Yeah. And music. You know, music, I think that, yes. Uh, you know, being able to listen to music and sing along... That, that enough is enough to bring along into a deserted island, uh, you know, and I, I just really enjoyed the game. I really loved the, even though it won't be on the deserted island, I really love the social aspects of, of playing rock band with your friends and stuff and singing along and having a good time and, you know, mashing plastic buttons and, you know, it, and... I think that uh, there were just there were so many great songs and so the the mechanics were simple enough that anybody could play and it was just like the ultimate kind of hang out with your friends and party and and play games kind of thing you know and anybody could play it could be somebody that isn't necessarily a a, a gamer somebody that's super casual to even hardcore gamers there is something for everybody and so yeah. that was also another part of it that it is really appealing it's got mass appeal on a on a on a huge scale so uh i think that 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 is you know one of the reasons that i want to do it, it that and you know i just i'm I, I play a lot of musical instruments and uh, and I and I, I compose music and it music's a big part of my life and so having that as one of the uh, the games was nearly mandatory for me to, <laughs> to survive on a on a deserted island. <laughs> so one thing that I've come to sort of realize since moving to Japan is obviously karaoke is a huge huge thing and yeah. Being from the UK, obviously karaoke is not this big thing unless you do it in front of like 50 drunk people in a pub. It was never the most enjoyable of experiences. Um, but I always loved singing in rock bands and singing songs like Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden and, you know, Danny California by Red Hot Chili Peppers and all these these awesome rock songs on rock band was kind of like what I always wanted. And then I came to Japan and like karaoke booths were just like, this magical new experience for me. And <laughs> I've since then, you know, become a, an aficionado of going to karaoke at least a couple of times a month and enjoying it here in Japan. But it, I've also realized that everyone has like a set of songs. They sing every single time. Like they'll be like, immediately they'll put, someone will put on like Creep by Radiohead or someone will put on Oasis or something like that. Just everyone has like a set of songs. As someone who is into music and taking rock band with them, do you have like a, a go-to set of songs on Rock Band that you're like immediately going to sing these, or immediately going to play the guitar for these, or something? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if I have necessarily. I think probably uh, Tom Sawyer on drums. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I would say Creep uh, is right up there. Even though I can't sing that song, I love to try and sing that song, uh, and uh, I trying to think of guitar probably i i can't think of one right now but uh, those like are probably, uh, those, 
run to the hills by Iron Maiden. Yeah, I mean, I you could go you could go that hardcore. <laughs> I I just was never very good at the guitar. I mean, I play real guitar, so it was really hard for me to like <laughs> play the the four button plastic thing. So the uh, uh, <laughs> like my brother, my brother is a very talented guitarist, and I I can play guitar too. But he is the he is the talent. He can play the guitar, but I was always better at him than him at rock bands, <laughs> just because I yeah. could play expert and he couldn't. And <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's, maybe like I don't know, Longview or something by Green Day or something like that. I always really liked to play on. I remember when I got the set with the drums. I'd been playing Guitar Hero for a few years by this point, and I remember getting the set of the drums. I remember playing "Welcome Home" by Coheed and Cambria. The, oh, yeah. It was like, oh, it was so much fun. Oh, oh, now I'm hankering to play it. Now I, I just <laughs> every time we talk, I'm just like. Why did I used to own like fifty plastic guitars? Now, now I don't own any. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I'm not sure how popular these games became in Japan. Japan is like music game central in arcades, so I'm not sure how big home versions of these games ever actually became. So I'm not sure if I even wanted to go out and try and find a copy of the game. I would even find one. Right. I'd have to go to an arcade. I mean, luckily, I can just go to an arcade and play. But it's it's as you said, the social aspect is really what made it quite special. When you had a full band and everyone was playing a song they knew, so you had the singer, but everyone else was singing as well. Right. There was nothing quite like it. Many many yeah. university guitar hero parties <laughs> I I had. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Good times. <laughs> it was very good times. Well, David, speaking of good times. The good times are going to end right now for us. It's oh. been such a, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. But now we have to get ready to send you off to the deserted place with the the eight wonderful games that you've chosen. But just before that, we have to talk about the last game on your list. And uh, I feel like this is a good all round ender for this. It, it, I think it encompasses your list, which is a very eclectic choice of. In unique and wonderful games that are all very mechanical driven uh, game you, games you play over and over again with very good systems. I think this sort of tops it off. I think sports games are very much the, the, the pinnacle of pure mechanical. You play it because it has a mechanic, like real sports. You know, you play it because it's the same every time, but the outcome maybe changes. So I feel like this is a good ender before we send you off. So let's listen to some music from the next game on your list. And let's, of course, dive straight into David's final game. Opening day is here as we get the new season underway.
2013 the show. So real, it's unreal. So just before we send you away then, David, we have to give you the last game on your list. And I've come to know a little bit about baseball since moving to Japan. I feel like there are literally <laughs> only two countries in the world that play baseball. And one is uh, America and the other one is Japan. And as someone who is a big soccer guy, I've never quite understood games that stop start all the time. Um, but obviously, Major League Baseball is huge in America. It's uh, what, what do what do they say? Amer- it's America's uh, sport. It's America's pastime. Pa- America's pastime. That's the one. America's pastime. Um, but the final game you're going to be taking with you is a game developed by SCE San Diego Studios, uh, guys not that far from you, and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. It was released to the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita. It is a Major League Baseball video game called MLB 13, The Show. David, why is this the last game that's going with you? Well, uh, a lot of reasons. First off, uh, I'm a huge sports fan, and I had to bring some sports game Some sports game, okay. (laughs) And uh, secondly, baseball is my favorite sport, uh, and so that was important. And then, uh, so the combination of it being my favorite sport, uh, as well as uh, it... uh, this was right after my beloved San Francisco Giants won the World Series, so they were like the the best team, you know. In the in the in so the, all the, the stats the, in the game are super. Yeah, high. exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the 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 real you know kicker was that uh, it was also an RPG where you could create your own character and yes. kind of go through the 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 minor leagues and like as you played you got new stats and you could invest it in different pitches or whatever you know if you were a pitcher you could oh i'm gonna make my fastball a little faster and things like that so it was like this it was this the rpg of like i'm building up my character to go to the the show right to go to the yeah become a major league so i get drafted into the giants system as myself that i created my you know my own (laughs) the childhood dream yeah, exactly. And then I'm, you know, I'm a knuckleball pitcher and I'm like, you know, three, and uh, oh, I've made it to the show and I'm playing with the Giants and we win the World Series. So that was, you know, it, that that dream uh, is something that I really enjoy. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, that uh, it, it captu- captures that childhood dream is, is better than anything else. Uh, absolutely. I remember there was recently... Uh, Obviously, I play a lot of FIFA because I pl- right. I'm a big soccer guy, and I absolutely completely <clears throat> understand what you're saying. And uh, recently, there was uh, like a sort of they had a kind of a very similar system. I can't remember what it was called, um, but they had. I feel like they took a lot away from the player because they had like a a determined character already. Like he was oh, a really? he, he was a character. He a, I forget his name, but he was an English young English guy, and he he was already a character. So it wasn't like you projecting yourself into playing for the team you've always wanted to play for, which for me is Manchester City. It was you know getting this guy from the lower leagues uh, all the way up to you know playing right. for England, which which I felt like you have like this this awesome thing that you've never done before. Right. <clears throat> And part of that is to live the dream of becoming a professional soccer player. But you've you've put in a character. So right. I, I feel like a half takes away. It's nice to know that the MLB 13 takes 
you. You it takes you. Like you can make right. David Braddock. Make your own, right. Yeah, exactly. Which FIFA used to have this system where you could not make you could make your own players and you could you could almost edit players from shitty teams and just change their names to be like your name and then you could select the commentary to say like a specific family name or something so if you were lucky enough to not have a crazy name i imagine brevik is pretty rare in commentary yeah. systems but Ed- <laughs> edwards which is my middle uh, second name uh was, was pretty common so you you could play the game and it would be like Edwards is on the ball and you'd be like that's me, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really enjoying yeah. this. And you could edit like the 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 uniforms, the kits to have like different shapes and colors. So you could really be like I'm gonna take this team from the bottom to the top. And they got rid of all of that and and they 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 created this new system where they had this character story and it it definitely took away from the living the dream kind of thing of building it up. Right. Um, with MLB 13. Is it purely like, this is the character, it's you, and where, what is like lower than the MLB? Where do, where do you start in it? Do- uh, well, uh, baseball in general has, uh, you know, the, the show, which is the Major League Baseball Association. Then they have, they have minor league teams, and the minor league teams, there are different levels of minor league, from single A is the lowest and okay. then double A and then triple A and then you get into the major league. So they they have many, many teams. They have, you know, let's say a hundred different minor league teams that support the thirty major league teams. So they okay. uh so there's yeah, each each team has several levels of of minor minor league teams. So you start down at the very, very bottom. Uh, as you know, an 18 year old or 19 year old or something like that, and and kind of work your way through the system, moving yourself up from single A to double A to triple A, and then finally into the major leagues. So, it's uh, it's kind of realistic in that way. Okay, oh, I love sport. I I even get fascinated by playing sports games that I have no like. I used to play Madden, and I have no idea about American football whatsoever. <laughs> but being able to just start at the very bottom and work yourself up in a sports game is always very fulfilling there is something incredibly fulfilling about starting at the bottom and making it to the top especially like in an american sport where when you do make it to the top everything is so flashy and like it's just like you are the most famous man alive kind of thing it's hundreds of cameras hundreds of sponsorships and all that kind of thing it's very exciting right yeah Um, absolutely having been someone who's liked baseball, I imagine your whole life kind of thing and video games in tandem, what are some of the sort of standout baseball games that have, I imagine they started off very primitive and, uh, well, sure. I mean, just, I mean, there was like an Intellivision one that was, uh, that was great. Uh, but you know, it was super primitive. If you look back at it now, (laughs) uh, like, uh, let's see, there was a series called hardball. That was really good. Uh, and then there was RBI baseball and that was, those were like, uh, the hard, hardball would, they were like mainly PC ones and there was a lot of, um, and then there was an Earl Weaver baseball. Uh, he was a famous, uh, manager and he, uh, and so the, I think electronic arts made a series of like PC Earl Weaver baseball games. Then there was a Tommy Lasorda baseball game series on the Genesis and uh, those were really good. RBI Baseball was another great one. And they, there's been, you know, here and there, they've been all over the place. There's, there's been, EA's been done, did them. 
Now uh, there's, you know, Sony's doing it with this MLB, the show and things like that. Yeah. And there's been, uh, there's been, but, you know, exclusive licenses have kind of like cornered the sports market. Like you can't get a lot of competition in the sport. Everybody has their, oh, we've got the exclusive rights to football or baseball or whatever. And so it makes it really difficult to have any kind of competition. So I think that's a terrible thing. I, I, you know, I, I don't like that at all. I, which much rather prefer that there's a lot of people out there pushing other, you know, to the development of sports games in general. I think it makes the sports sports games in general, it makes them lazy. You know, they yes. have no real need to, to innovate or do some, take a chance or do just, something different. Just, just update the teams, no update the uniforms exactly. kind of thing. And yeah. so it, it, it's really hurt sports games in the last 10 years, in my opinion. Have you ever played, there is a Japanese baseball game. I think it's Japan. I think it's got some Western releases. It's made by Konami. It's called like a powerful pro baseball. Don't know if you've ever played that before. Yeah, I, I know of it. I've never played it before. There's a few of those games that are like that, that uh, where you like, it, it's very much a RPG where you create your character and you're playing yeah. with other live people or whatever. And they've got their characters that they've been working on and you level them up and things like that and, and play it. The baseball itself is kind of, uh, I would say arcadey feel to it, yes, but, uh, yeah. but uh, o- overall it's super fun. Do you, do you like arcadey sports games? Like there are so many. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a great time and place for arcadey sports games, and some of the best games, sports games that I've ever played, have been a little bit more arcadey than realistic. I think that as it becomes hyper realistic, it's like I'm just you know, for instance, in an American football game, if you're playing Madden, it's like I don't know how to read defenses <laughs> i don't know i mean like i'm not a professional quarterback i don't know the telltale signs of this guy is obviously in one-on-one coverage because of this particular formation that these guys are in or but like i i don't i, I just don't understand. i just want to throw the ball down the field and score yeah. touchdowns like you yeah know, it's like so uh you know i think that as things become hyper realistic uh it loses a lot of the appeal and it's i think there's a good balance between it's got to be fun and arcadey and simple enough that anybody can play it. Uh, and uh, I think that's more important, but if it gets too arcadey, then it loses some of its realism and it's like, yeah. it's fun, but it feels more quirky uh, than, and you know, it's kind of like, if you're going to go that arcadey, it's better to do things that separate it from the game. Like an NBA jam is a really arcadey field thing, but it's not real five on five basketball. It's like whatever it was, two on two or three on three. Yeah. Uh, rather than a full five on five, and they're trying to simulate things. It's just got you know the balls on fire and all these kind of you know it, it's got it's got a real arcadey feel to it. It does, and oh man, sports games are my guilty pleasure. I love, I do I do enjoy <laughs> them so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we li- we live in a society of video game aficionados now that embrace sports games and arcade sports games and stuff like that. Whereas before I'd be like, I play tons of JRPGs and they'd be, uh, you know, it's like, maybe I don't want to play Final Fantasy today. Maybe I just want to, I just want to play FIFA <laughs> for a little while kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but David, we have come to the end of the eight and we have got the box ready with all the correct games in it, the correct version of Master of Orion, the correct version of Solitaire that you want to take with you. And we are sending you off to the deserted place uh, to play the eight games forever. Um, we'd allow you a laptop too, because I don't want to 
I don't want you to not finish It Lurks Below. It looks great, uh, and you, you seem super excited about it, which is so, so wonderful to see. But David, there is one last question before you leave I have to ask you. And it might be a little tough for you as a, a, as a man who comes from sort of PC development backgrounds and that kind of thing. Um, but we talk about games on Final Games. Of course, that's it's in the title. But one thing that I feel like is very important to video gaming is the way we experience them. Uh, you know, as you said, playing solitaire on your mobile phone and that kind of thing. There are many ways to experience them. So if you could take only one console with you, because you can't take PC, because PC is everything. PC can emulate every console known to man. It can emulate and virtual box so many, so many things. It's kind of, it's cheating, essentially. But if you could only take one console with you, bearing in mind the back catalog of games tied to that console, the controller, the, the OS, and all that kind of wonderful stuff, we have very nostalgic memories attached to these things. If you could only take one console, what would you take? Yeah, that's really easy. I, I would take the Switch. Fantastic. I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's a wonderful console. What, what, tell me some of the games that you've been enjoying on the Switch. Oh, Breath of the Wild is amazing. Uh, you know that that game is incredible. Um, I played this game, this indie game called Golf Story that I really enjoyed. Yes. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun, and it reminds game. me kind of an old school golfing games. But it's again, it's kind of a neat mix between arcadey and skill based. You know, yes. and, and the writing's really clever, and you know, and so I, I anyway, I've, I've liked that a lot. And Super Mario Odyssey, I've been playing that, and then I just recently bought uh, Celeste for it, uh, but I haven't played it yet. I'm very looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Celeste. Well, you can take the Switch, you can take all the Switch games, but you can take the eight, the core eight that you've chosen today. And David, let me say, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. I've had a really good time. Thank you. So just before you leave, Please tell the wonderful listeners who have made it this far where they can find you on the internet, what they should be checking out, and anything they should look for from you coming in the future. I think there's a game coming called It Looks Below. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that one. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on the internet. I've got, uh, you know, Greybeard Games is the name of my game company. with uh, That's, you know, my solo indie, indie dev company. Uh, but Greybeard Games, that's gray with an A, by the way. There, so that, that's that's important to note because some people spell it G-R-E-Y. So it is yes. G-R-A-Y. I am one of those people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially English are, is G-R-E-Y yes. for a lot of English people. It is. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, I'm on Twitter at David Brevik and Facebook and, and all of those kind of things. Uh, as well as graybeardgames.com. And my game, uh, It Lurks Below, is now got its own Steam page, so you can follow it there. And uh, it'll be out soon, TM. Soon. You know? <laughs> soon, asterisk. Not soon. Exactly. Well, I, I think it actually, it'll be soon. It, it'll be a lot sooner, I think, than people realize. So uh, it, it'll be, it's, it's not that far off. It will be for sure this year, uh, but I would say that it's going to be sooner rather than later. Excellent. Well, I look forward to it. And if you are a listener who has enjoyed games like Starbound, Terraria, Diablo, anything like that, please definitely go check it out. It looks fantastic. Yeah. I'm very much looking thank forward you. to it. So, David, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. And thank you so much to you guys for listening to this episode of Final Games once again. As always, you can find me, Liam Edwards, on Twitter at LiamBME. You can find the show 
at Final Games Show. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, and all those wonderful places, as usual. If you do, why not go ahead and rate and review the show if you've enjoyed this episode. That would be very, very delightful. If you want to email the show, you can. You can email at finalgamespodcast uh, final at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Dad and Sons podcast with Super Bunny Hop and a couple of those other guys. It's been really great having some wonderful Final Games listeners listen to that as well. So thank you for listening to this episode of Final Games, and I hope to see you again next time. But until then, goodbye. <laughs>